0: Prevent Coalition welcomes you to our new podcast. We're sharing stories and strategies to help coalitions and organizations reach their full potential. Follow along at preventcoalition.org. Welcome to episode six of the Prevent Coalition podcast. My name is Christopher Blyle and I'll be your host today. I am joined by the incredible Sarah Myers from Pomeroy Partners in Garfield County. She's on the steering committee of the Rural Network. She manages coalitions, helps people uh, get oriented to this work. She's trained so many coordinators. And so I invited her to the studio today to share all of the stuff she's learned. Welcome to this episode, Sarah. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you, Christopher. I work in a rural county here in Washington. My county is the least populated county in Washington state. And so obviously the rural prevention work uh, means a lot to me being us being so rural. I've been in my position for eight years now. And we have CPWI funding from Washington State Healthcare Authority and we have drug-free
0: communities funding from the CDC. I had no idea you'd been here for eight years. That's amazing. I'm so grateful that you're here because I feel like you have so much information. I connect really well with you. And when I was thinking of people who could Just bring a good energy to the episode, I thought of you. I actually first met Sarah when we first launched the Rural Network way back in 2020. We held listening sessions to kind of learn about rural communities that we hoped to serve. And Sarah was in one of the first listening sessions. You just had such a great energy. You were so feisty. Is that okay to say? Yes, I
1: love it. Yes. I think think you have to have the push and pull to advocate for what you need, but also be able to compromise too.
0: Absolutely, I totally agree with that. Today's episode is about new coalition coordinator orientation, talking about insights, tips, what's gonna help you be successful, what's gonna help you overcome barriers, what do you need to know to thrive?
1: We're gonna cover some tips for new coordinators including things like finding mentors, engaging in your community, taking that certified prevention professional exam, as well as ways to get the word out from your programs and building a strong support network to get you through all of the ups and downs of being a coalition coordinator, which we know there are a lot of ups and downs.
0: Well, to get us started, I reached out to some people in my network to get some advice. I wanted to sort of hear what other people think about this topic from their perspective. And Sarah and I are gonna go back and forth sharing some of those answers today. The first one came from Facebook. What does a new coalition coordinator need to know? What are some tips? And Angela, one of our Facebook followers said, ask a lot of questions. And when you do, Listen to everyone.
1: Angela also said, uh, I love in her comments, there are so many aspects of this job. You can't know them all intuitively. I totally agree with that. There are so many aspects to this job. You have to be a community organizer, a data analyst, a media coordinator, an event planner, and a hundred other different things too. So it's a lot to learn.
0: Yeah, it's really true. This job is so huge. And I think. People don't expect you to know everything about the job. Maybe you have that passion to learn and that urge, and that's what's going to make you successful is that hunger, that drive for connection in your community and passion for youth. And as long as you have that, like, you're going to learn the science, you're going to learn the steps, but asking questions is going to be crucial. And I like that she said, really listen. And that was our first approach when we started the Rural Network was those listening sessions and really just... What do people have to say? I feel like really the best meetings are where I don't really talk a lot. I just listen, especially because in this job, you're you're probably going to be running things independently that you've never done before. (laughs) I remember one of our coordinators in Clark County. It was her first year on the job and she had to coordinate a, a youth summit that was like happening every two years in our community. She'd never even been, she wasn't from our community. And she was like, wait, I have to run a, a, a summit I've never been to. And that is just one example, but that's gonna happen all the time. You might be creating a campaign, coordinating a parent and family engagement training, you know, things like that.
1: So we're talking about listening. I think the next piece of that, which would be such a perfect transition is, who are you asking these questions of and who are you listening to? Trillium from Coalition for Orcas Youth says, have a mentor. Mm-hmm. Having a, a coalition member who's been with your coalition for a really long time, I think you should have at least one of each of those to have to mentor you in this position.
0: Yeah, even reaching out, like you said, to so talking to maybe there's a coalition member who you think you feel you can, they'd be honest with you, they give you some solid advice, maybe they hold the history of your community.
1: I always say, I'm the only person within 30 miles of me who has this job and so it's a lot of times new coordinators will be hired at a fiscal agent and maybe their fiscal agent just got the grant, maybe there is no coalition yet, maybe their direct supervisor at their fiscal agent does not understand fully all aspects of the job, really, really connect with regional coordinators. Uh, Most regions here in Washington State have a prevention network. Um, I know that in our region, we have the Southeast Prevention Network that meets uh, once every other month to network and get to know people. I think it's very, very important to find a mentor.
0: Absolutely. We do have a map of coalitions across the state that we made with the Rural Network, and that's a great place to turn. It's probably not fully comprehensive or updated, but it does show a lot of coalitions across the state that you can turn to. And it even shows their funding, so you can perhaps find someone who has the same funding as you. That's a great place to turn. Another thing that came up a lot when I was talking to people about what new coordinators need to know is going to coffee. Everyone said going to coffee. That was such a common theme. and. It might sound odd if you came from a different industry or a different field, but it's true. Like that's just the basics of capacity building is go out to coffee with every one of your steering committee members. Find all the key agencies in your community, whether it's Boys and Girls Club, Boy Scouts, a church group, a 4-H group, a little league team, like go out to coffee with those people and find, you know, what's your goal? What What does your organization do? I'm here to learn. I wanna know more about your mission.
1: I have been to some trainings with CADCA where they call this strategy 100 cups of coffee. And the way that they explain it at CADCA is that every person in the coalition goes out to have coffee with 10 people. If you have 10 people going out to coffee with 10 people, that's 100 cups of coffee and it's a great recruitment strategy. But the essence of going out to coffee means meeting people where they're at, meeting in a public space, getting out into your community with people, because this job is all about building relationships. This job cannot be done from inside an office. One thing that I've done is I try to do unplanned drop-by meetings. For example, if I needed to talk to the superintendent of my school, but it was a topic where I couldn't get it across in an email or a phone call. I would drop by our school. Since we're a very small school, I have access to our superintendent. A lot of other communities won't, but uh, say that it's your vice principal or your high school secretary, drop in and say, hey, do you have five minutes? It's a great way to connect. I really think getting in the habit of dropping by somebody's office is a really great strategy, especially in a rural community.
0: I think so too. And when you want people to show up to your meeting and they're not coming, the first question I ask is, Well, did you go to theirs? Yes. Did you like are you doing that relationship building? If you show up to their meeting, are they gonna be like, Oh, why are you here? Like who are you? <laughs> that's a that's a problem. Like you want it to be the opposite. They want to be like, Oh my gosh, Christopher, I'm so glad you're here. I can't wait to go to your next meeting. Thank you for coming to mine. One of the aspects we report on is raising awareness of your coalition. And we even do surveys asking people, do you know that this coalition exists? Do you know this is a resource in your community? And being present and being visible makes a huge difference.
1: All right, Joanna from Our Click Attack says, track all the training and webinars I've done. This is important. If you're a CPWI coalition coordinator, you are required to get your certified prevention professional credential within 18 months of being hired. And for that, you will need certification of a couple hundred hours of prevention trainings. What I do is I have a folder that's been in my drawer for eight years and all of my certificates are in it in chronological order. And every time I need to renew my CPP, I just pull out the last five or six or 10 certificates and fill out my CPP application renewal.
0: That's amazing. I feel like I want to do that now too. I have an Excel spreadsheet where I track it all, but I feel like when you print them out, like they're already ready to go. Even if you're not in the CPWI, it's something I think all coordinators should work towards. Once you get it, you're good to go. It's really easy to renew. But the process for me was terrifying. I kept seeing in my area, month after month, people were passing. And so we all celebrate them, throw little parties. And I have a lot of test anxiety. Every time I thought about it, I was just like, oh my gosh, what if I don't pass? What if I don't pass? I know three people on the board of CPP. And if I don't pass, they're going to know. I made it into such a big monster and I was so terrified. But at the end of the day, I made flashcards. I took the practice exam. I had been studying for like three weeks. I took the test. It was pretty simple and straightforward. There was some stuff that was not on the study guide that is on the exam. But if you've been doing this work, it should be intuitive. You should just kind of know this stuff.
1: One thing that I will add is that The questions when I took it were worded in a language that was different than what we use in our field, but they meant the same thing. The the reason they do that is so that you don't intuitively click the wrong answer or the answer that looks right. They word the questions in a way that forces you to read the entire question. My biggest piece of advice, when you are taking the test, read the question exactly as
0: it's stated my biggest lesson learned was I should not have postponed it so much I I made it into something bigger than it was once I got it done it was like the biggest weight off my shoulders and I should have done it earlier so do not procrastinate is what I would say just get it over with when you can what was it like for you Sarah
1: The requirement to obtain your CPP credential was added maybe a couple of years into my time as a coordinator. And so I had all my certificates. I just went in it with the best intentions. I felt like I had been in the field for long enough that I could do well on it. Like I said, the questions are worded in a interesting way and they use terms that we may not use, but they mean the same thing but I just took the test and was pretty confident. And for me, it wasn't a huge deal. I was excited to have the credential. That's what I was most excited for, was to be able to put some like letters next to my name, I guess, because one of the things that we talk about here in Washington state is professionalizing the prevention field. And I thought that was very important at the time. So I was very excited that the opportunity was there.
0: That's a good motivator. I felt really uncomfortable at first when I put my letters after my name. I felt like, oh, I'm showing off. This is weird, a power dynamic. But at the end of the day, I was like, no, I deserve this. Like, I worked super hard on this, and I want people to know that prevention science is real. Like, this is an actual science. There's a strategic framework we follow, and that's one of the ways that we communicate that to people. In order to get your CPP and get certified, you're gonna need to take a lot of trainings. And Sheila from the Classic Coalition in Clickitat County says, go to the SAPS training as soon as possible. The SAPS is Substance Abuse Preventional Skills Training. It's about a week long. It basically covers the 101 prevention skills that you're gonna need all about strategic planning, assessment, cultural competency, sustainability, just some of the basics of like, how do you run a coalition? How do you engage volunteers? How do you overcome problems? You're gonna look at like example coalitions and sort of analyze their action plans and their goals and come up with SMART goals for those sample coalitions. And it really is a great way to get grounded in this field.
1: Yes, I agree. I went to my SAPS training about two and a half months after I was hired, and the the training that I went to before that was a facilitator training for Guiding Good Choices. So in about three months, I had been trained in Guiding Good Choices, our evidence-based parenting program, and SAPS, and I think that foundation really set me up for success because I learned Guiding Good Choices is a practical application of the risk and protective factors, and SAPS is a practical application of the strategic prevention framework. And those two things together are the foundation of prevention. When I was hired, I was put in an office 30 miles away from my fiscal agent alone and basically told figure it out. And so I started looking through drawers and looking through files reading our strategic plan, reading the CPWI implementation guide and anything else that I could find.
0: I almost feel like that's what I want to do for anyone I hire is be like, okay, the first two weeks are going to feel like you don't have a job. You're just sitting here reading books, read the capacity primer for from CADCA. They have a manual on like building capacity, read you know, the strategic planning guide, understand your budget, your action plan. And if you know those things by heart, Anything that comes at you, you're going to start learning ways to frame it into how it fits in your work. You're going to understand how can a prevention coalition partner with city planners? Like there's ways you can do that. How can a prevention coalition partner with police or partner with a youth group or partner with educators? And like, if you know your plan, things are going to naturally fold into your work or they won't. And you'll be able to say, sorry, I can't do that. It's not on my plan, which is also, no one brought that up, but that saying no is something you're going to need to learn how to do.
1: I know that there are a lot of new coordinators out there who are starting brand new coalitions and don't have a strategic plan to look at. You can find example strategic plans online. Uh, Read a strategic plan from another coalition. Use those CADCA manuals use those CADCA guidelines. There is a lot of information out there and spending some time reading and really looking at example was is, is very valuable.
0: And the Athena Forum online has a lot of people's strategic plans just publicly available. If you can't find one that looks like yours, I would just ask people, like that's not a private document. You can ask hey, am I allowed to see your strategic plan? I'm trying to make my own. Prevention is all about sharing. I think most people would be comfortable sharing their plan with you. Another great idea came from Tammy Maine. Tammy does work with the Regional Network in Northeast Tri-County Health District. She says, use the media. People aren't gonna know about your program or coalition unless you get the word out. I think this is so crucial. I mean, really engaging with newspapers, communication staff at a city council, anyone who runs public communications is gonna be a huge ally for you.
1: Figuring out what your community uses for media is also important. My coalition has a really strong presence on Facebook and our community Facebook pages. Have a lot of community forums that are really well moderated. Post everything from your coalition in your local community Facebook group, if you have one. My community also runs on flyers. The coffee shop, the hardware store, the grocery store, post flyers around town all the time. You really need a multimedia approach when you're getting the word out. If you have an event coming up or if you're just trying to get the word out for a new coalition that you're starting, the more different types of media you use, the better. In my community for our drug take back day, we did flyers around town. We did an ad in the newspaper We did every door direct mail mailers, which is economical because we're a very small community. We can put a mailer in every post office box um, and every mailbox in our county. And we also put a sign out on Main Street three days before the event. We also did Facebook ads. And so that was how we got the word out for one of our events. So you have to use a multimedia strategy approach not just one type of getting the word out.
0: I know in our community, we use our neighborhood associations a lot. They're everywhere, there's so many in our region. And so we disseminate information that way. A lot of people read the newspaper, so we take out ads in the newspaper. You can also, depending on what resources your county has during an event, we have in the past hired our, it's called CVTV. It's like a local television station to televise our town hall or televise a panel, we're having a vaping. So getting your name out there while it's happening is also a possibility in addition to beforehand.
1: This job is very hard because we have to work with so many sectors of our community, even when those sectors disappoint us. One of the best and funniest pieces of advice that I got from a prevention system manager, was what do we do if there's a sector who is not participating at the level we would like them to do? And he said to give them an award.
0: Ooh.
1: Very publicly recognize them for their contributions because people do things when there's something in it for them. and. Sometimes we get frustrated because of our grant requirements, and our grant requirements require a lot from a lot of people who aren't paid to do this work. I have a sticky note on my computer that says elect positive intent. Assume that everyone has positive intent all the time, because most of us do. The school, or the fire department, or the preschool that you need to trying to get a parenting program with the library, any sector is always doing the best that they can with their bandwidth. And they may feel like their contributions are above and beyond, even if we feel on the coordinator side that they are not where they should be. So we give out awards, probably not as much as we should, but I like to give awards often, especially with our coalition partners.
0: That's a really good strategy and celebrating people's achievements and the coalitions as a whole is part of the strategic framework. Like it's, it's actually built into that system. And it's so easy when you're just moving so fast and you want to get to the next thing to like overlook that. But really I love what you're saying about like these people need to be seen and heard and felt valued. And if if they're celebrated, they're all the more likely to come back.
1: Yeah. In another community, for example, they were really having a hard time getting sticker shock off the ground. And so they had like probably seven to 10 or half a dozen uh, mini marks and grocery stores that sell alcohol, but maybe they only had one or two who agreed to do sticker shock. And they probably felt like, oh my gosh, it was such a huge failure because only one or two of these businesses agreed to the strategy. But instead of seeing it as a failure, Go above and beyond and really recognize those two that did stand up. It will make your partners feel better and it will make you and your coalition feel better. It doesn't have to be all or nothing.
0: Absolutely. You can celebrate small things and make sure you should celebrate always the small things. Like sometimes those are even more important than I published a toolkit or I made a huge campaign. Like the small steps are really valid as well
1: you will get into a groove. And I think the groove takes around three years. Hopefully you will have some exciting moments and some awesome fun projects in those three years, but you also have some major failures. And when you're just starting out and you hear of other coalition successes, it may bum you out and make you feel like you're the only one with failures, but every coalition has failures. Every coalition has had a key leader event that nobody came to. Every coalition has had an event that nobody came to. Every coalition has had Mm -hmm. issues with not recruiting the right amount of members or not having the right members. I just want all of the new coordinators out here to know that that is completely normal, but it's not publicly advertised on statewide webinars and things like that. So just know that you got to have that strong support network, whether it's other coordinators in your area, maybe someone at your fiscal agent, maybe a really tight knit leadership team where you can talk those out and not feel like it has anything to do with your performance. It's just a trial and error and just feel like you have permission to fail. You have permission to feel all those feelings, but be professional in front of your community members and coalitions because you never know who's going to be in the room. Find a good support system when you need to vent and get out there and try again.
0: <laughs> when I see a coalition presenter at a summit or something, I'm like, gosh, how did they become this iconic, incredible goddess of prevention doing everything wonderfully? I think people feel that way about prevent too. We live in a society where it's quite shameful to talk about your failures. And the same thing with me. I do not tell people what I make <laughs> a mistake I told my boss but like probably no one else and so it really is important to remember that that's part of the learning process that's part of the human experience is failing failing forward learning and reflecting on what happened trying to identify like what went wrong what was out of my control and what did I have control of because there's always going to be things that had nothing to do with you but then learning from the things you can change and you do have control over and Just doing better next time. And you can't let, you can't hold that. You can't make that your script or your story. Like, next time's gonna be better. And that's just the truth. It will, because you have that experience now under your belt. Wow, we covered a lot today. You are incredible. I'm so glad that you were able to join me today. You brought exactly what I hoped you would bring, which is that real solid insight on what it feels like being a new person. Is there anything else before we adjourn that you want to share? I
1: would just summarize by saying get involved in the community as much as you can or as much as your fiscal agent or your grant allows. Go to meetings, go to Rotary Club, go to coalition, go to other coalitions, go to your women's networking group, go to your Go to your Chamber of Commerce, get to know an experienced coordinator in your region or join a coordinators networking group and ask questions. Another thing to summarize would be focus on building a small core leadership team on your coalition before racing to get all of these 12 sectors, if your grant allows. I think having a small, dedicated, core group of coalition members who are very active is better than having all 12 sectors that are not as active.
0: I would not be able to do this job if it weren't for the rural steering committee. You are all amazing. And there's only like six of you, but oh my gosh, you make so many things happen. That's really good advice. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. I think we just can mic drop i mean you just shared so much good insight i'm really grateful for you being here thank you everyone for listening this has been new coordinator orientation with prevent coalition podcast and i look forward to seeing you next time